1: Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started.
2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Reel Down. I am your host with his tail between his legs from this terrible weekend of fishing that we had, uh, Jimmy Skinner. (laughs) It's me, with me as normal, also tail between his legs, Garrett Johnson. How's it going, buddy? Uh, It's
3: going. Still trying to figure out what I did wrong and how to fix it for next time. I I know exactly what I did wrong. Yeah. I'm not going to have confidence in
2: high muddy water ever again. Uh,
3: yeah, it's definitely tough to fish. I mean...
2: I should have stuck with my gut. They always say that. You hear that thrown around a lot. It's so true. I knew I shouldn't have been there before. When I was driving to that ramp at 4 o'clock that morning, I was like, what are you doing? And there was yeah. a, something over here like, it's fine. It'll be great. No.
3: No. And, that, and I did that uh, like almost six-mile run to a spot from a ramp, and another guy made the exact same run and like you'd think that if you made that longer run, you're not going to see anybody for the whole day. And Yeah. yeah. uh, When
2: he passed (laughs) me, I was like, Oh, well, Garrett's about to have company. And (laughs) uh, that's when I moved. So I'd went three miles in and then I went three more miles down and I mean, I'll say what it was. I had an area that had a beaver dam in it and it was making the water crystal clear, but I could get over the beaver dam with that Torquedo 1103. You could just jump right over right it. A bit. So <laughs> I made that float three miles down going for that clear, warm water and, you know, spawners. And when I rounded the corner, the water had rose so much, the beaver dam had completely disintegrated and floated away. There wasn't even traces <laughs> of the beaver dam anymore. And I uh, mean,
3: it didn't look too bad. Like Friday when we went and looked at it, then that storm rolled through. It looked uh, terrible Friday. Don't lie to yourself. It looks so bad. I, I, I thought it was still fishable, but after that storm roof came through, it just kept rising in it. Yeah. yeah. And
2: we we, uh, we had a tornado come right over our Airbnb, uh, blew a bunch of trees down. So we didn't even get to get on the water Friday. Because uh, at one point we were at one ramp and there was a tornado warning. So we moved from that ramp to the Airbnb and there was a tornado warning. It sucked. Just chasing us everywhere. Dude, it's just, I should have <laughs> just packed up and went home, man saving money but anyway so we got a a totally different well i mean not really we have a different guest for you today we have the winner from the bassmaster series event on gunnersville but also a current bassmaster elite series angler so this is a first for us i'm excited been wanting to do this been waiting to see more of these guys jump in with us and kick our butts in our little niche of the sport but without any further ado, uh, Mr. Greg De Palma, welcome to the show, man. How you doing?
4: Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me.
2: Nah, man, thanks for coming on. I know That's this is heavy on. You're a very popular man in our corner of the world right now, so I'm sure you're getting like blown up right now.
4: Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been pretty nonstop. It's it's going to go on this whole entire week. I got a lot of stuff scheduled, but it's all good. I mean, dude, whatever comes with a win, I mean, you have to take all of it and, and just apply it. And dude, it's like anything else, you know, this kayak game. From what I can tell, I was on the outside before I was on the inside, you know, as far before I fished one of these things, I saw the growth of this sport in the last two years take off tremendously, which I know we're going to get into it, but that's one of the reasons why I decided to jump into this stuff and start doing it.
2: I like to hear it. You didn't, uh, I feel like you have so many people that, that wait for that moment when they think that they should get into it. And it's kind of people that follow that curve. Yep. it's nice that you kind of saw it and we' like nope, I'm gonna go with it now And uh, perfect timing for you man Steve Owens taking over the bassmaster series this year is you you started on a high note. you will always know that it was ran smoothly and there was a huge <laughs> amount of participation. Well there were some dark ages in there before that and we just won't even talk about that but you, you started at a, a high note. so uh before we I was gonna let you introduce yourself, so I, I was trying to do some research on you, just to have a little back info, and I found this great article that actually had nothing to do with you. But I looked up Greg De Palma and it actually pulled up Greg De Palma Capo Mafia. of the Gambino Mafia family and I was like, whoa, where am I going? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he's
4: he's he's spelled different. I believe. He's probably exactly. D E, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yep. Cause that's yeah. like I didn't notice the the difference in spelling at first, and I was like, maybe I shouldn't bring this up. He's gonna like <laughs> And I'm just gonna be like, yes, sir. All right, never mind. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't
4: know that guy. Yeah, no, it's yeah. uh. So you have to understand one thing. Have you guys ever been to New Jersey, or never been here?
3: Never been there. All right, I've so, been through it one time, but I haven't stayed for very long.
4: Okay, well, you didn't mess up too much. If you probably went <laughs> through like the Trenton up area. So I live in South Jersey. Down here where I live, this is the Garden State. This is kind of country. Uh, it is country. Um, you know, once you pass Trenton, man, it's a whole different world. It's like New York City. Uh, you know, it's like Rocky Balboa. A lot of people talk that way up there down here. We kind of have a little slang, a little bit of country. Um, but man, the fishing down here in South Jersey, a lot of guys cry about it, man. But I absolutely love it down here. Yeah. Around my house within 10 miles, I have probably 20 lakes, uh, you know, all maybe 50 to 70 acres. But they all offer something very different. Uh, a lot of the pros that are in New Jersey, Iconelli, myself, Avina, Galusic, we all live right here. So what I'm trying to get at the stopping grounds around where I live are really strong to show you how to adapt to a lot of different bodies of water because we have so many different bodies of water. Not 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 one or two of them are the same. They're all different. We got sand washes, natural lakes. We got creeks and flowing rivers. We have everything. It's really cool.
2: That's awesome. I, I've heard. I actually have heard a lot. I'm trying to remember from who, but it's you know one of the kayak guys. We've got some guys uh, up there that have told us how diverse it is. I've got friends that are uh, upstate New York, kind of the same thing you're talking about. It's you you hear New York, you think one thing, but you go upstate New York and they're like, no, we're rednecks too, man. We're, we're (laughs) just as country as you guys. We're just on the other end of the state of the, of the line, but a lot of diversity up there, but well, we'll just, uh, we'll use that to lead right into it. So, so, you know, uh, I'm sure most of the folks listening to this are going to know who you are, but give us just a rundown of, you know, who you are, you know, where you're from originally, what got you into fishing, you know, at an early age, if that happened, uh, just kind of working your way and then we'll get into your, your, you know, elite status.
4: Yeah. So, uh, born and raised here in Millville, New Jersey, where I still reside today. I'm never leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I just, I love it around here. Our taxes suck, but all my friends <laughs> are here. Uh, it's just, yeah. a, it's a great place to grow up as a country kind of guy or boy um you know growing up i was fortunate my dad had a house on a place called the mars river every single day as a kid man i would i'd get done school i'd run down to we had a dock on the river i'd run down to the dock and i'd fish for catfish and perch every day until my mom yelled for dinner every night um that's pretty much what i did you know all the way until i was 15 years old there was a we have a place called uh, union lake which is the biggest lake in new jersey man-made lake um, it's like almost a thousand acres and yeah, it's pretty I remember, exciting. yeah, I remember seeing a flyer way back when it might've been at maybe this place called a Hux. I think it was, it was like a little tiny convenience store, a flyer in there to, for a bass tournament. And I remember grabbing the flyer and I brought it to my dad. I'm like, man, I want to fish this. So at the time I didn't have a boat. I didn't have any kind of bass boat or nothing like that. So, um, my dad owned a construction company. I was 15 years old. I literally worked the entire summer and I saved up 500 bucks. And it's funny how things work out. I remember I finally got through the whole entire summer and I was driving with my dad and there was a little tiny low 1232 John boat on the side of the road for sale. It was 550 bucks. So I was 50 bucks off. My dad gave me the 50 bucks. We bought the boat, we brought it home. And my dad, you know, my dad was always an outdoorsman. So he had kind of had an idea of like what a bass boat layout looks like. So my dad actually, got all the material my dad decked out the entire boat for me <clears throat> so the following year that tournament came back up again i was 16 years old and we used to just shove my john boat in the back of my dad's Ford truck and i remember <laughs> going to that going to that tournament in the morning and every one of the guys at the tournament said man he's too young he can't fish and my dad said well you let him fish or i'm gonna dump him off right here and i'll pick him up later and uh <laughs> Like, he was real about it. Di- my dad signed the paper. Like we can, he'll, he'll sign for us, and we fixed yeah. the tournament. So, this lake used to have a lot of pencil grass in it, and I had no clue what I was doing, dude, at all. I mean, I was green as can be, <clears throat> but I remember going down this grass line almost towards the end of the day. I literally see a giant bass. I mean, at the time, I, I would have told just 10-pounder. It was so big. I was throwing a little four-inch black worm. I literally cast that thing right in front of that bass, it eats it. I catch it. It was a four oh two. We caught lunker for the tournament, and that was the very first time I was like, "Oh my god, you can win money fishing!" <laughs> it literally like blew, oh, man. blew my yeah. mind, dude. So
3: okay, after that,
4: my so my grandpa. If I back up a little, my grandpa always bass fished. He's the one that kind of got me introduced to the actual sport of bass fishing. But the tournament scene was kind of like fate the way it happened. And then after all that happened. My dad back then had so much trust in us. And I don't understand, probably because we grew up on river time. I'm I'm 40 years old. Not that I'm old, but times back then were a little bit different than they are today. My dad, once I literally was a summertime after I had my boat, my dad would bring me to Union Lake in the morning at 5.30 every day in the summer. And he'd pick me up at 5 o'clock p.m. after work every single day. I would spend all that time as a 15-year-old bass fishing. I'd go all day and catch maybe one fish if I was lucky. But it was like the best time of my entire life.
2: Oh, thing. I mean, and that's, that's got to be what's awesome. like, you know, helped set you up for all the success you've had and to get where you are. I mean, I can't imagine not learning something 12 hours on the water every day, uh-huh. you know, like yep. <laughs> yeah. it, you can't not learn everything. <laughs>
4: like, it's funny. So I, I ended up eventually my dad always told us growing up if you wants something to go get it. So he always made us work for anything we wanted to buy. It was just good for me because he owned the company that I can work for. And I would, you know, it, it, it was convenient because I always had a ride to work as a kid. And I always would, you know, get a paycheck into the end of the week because my dad just gave me cash and I was done. But I ended up buying a little, it was a 1954 four-horse Evan Rude motor off a guy. And this thing was always a pain in the butt. Every time <laughs> i get to the lake, dude, I always had trouble starting to, my dad would just pushed me off and I would throw him later out. But he'd leave and I'd be pulling that thing. My, I always had blisters on my hands from holding that rope by pulling that freaking motor all the time to get a start, <laughs> but I always get it to start. And I'd always run all the way back to the Creek and I always start in this one spot. It's funny now today, looking back, but I always, you know, bypass that spot. Every time I look at it, it's just a memory that I've always had. That's just been, you know, engraved in my brain about how it all started.
5: Yeah. That's awesome,
3: man. Yeah, hear no, a up to those and you got old, <laughs> all kinds of different rigs that you got decked out that yeah, might my... just the same stuff.
4: My John boat nowadays is—I mean, it's about—it's about as bad as it gets. Uh, you know, I completely customized it myself. You know, growing up after after I got a little bit older, I did construction for my dad for 18 years. So obviously I learned a trade. You know, I did framing yeah. and, and trim work. And the the John boat built that I did was absolutely awesome, and I still have it sitting outside right now. I just—if I can fish out of one thing, that's what I want to fish out of. I absolutely love my John boat. I'm like infatu- I'm infatuated with like little tiny John boats, little tiny boat nation. It's just. To me, it's the it's the
2: ultimate thing. It's it's crazy because the tiny boat nation is like popping right now. Like I see some ridiculous builds go, come across the the yeah, feeds. Yeah, some of those things are
3: awesome. Uh, it oh, makes me want that. a
2: John boat again for sure. I mean, I I'll I'll never not do kayaks, but yeah. you know, I've got a John boat in the backyard. I haven't touched. <laughs> I, I don't know five years, but then I see these tiny bat these tiny boat nation guys build these boats up, and I'm like, man, let's do that. Yeah. I could get down with a little ten horse. Like yeah, it's fun. <laughs> And we've got some uh some cool lakes down. I'm a, I'm down here in Alabama, so uh, oh, I've nice. got some cool lakes around here that are like 25 horse max that kayaks and those small john boats are just like the best thing for. Yep, but yeah. uh so going on from that, so uh did you fish in college? Did you did you keep that competitive thing going or did you get away from it, you know, kind of burn out and then come back?
4: No, man, it just got worse and worse. The bug the bug bit me <laughs> and I never left. So I used to I used to deer hunt with my dad too. It got to the point where like I just quit deer hunting because i wanted to fish the entire winter a lot of times here in south jersey especially the last 10 years it doesn't really get cold no more in the wintertime. it gets cold, but it doesn't freeze so you can fish the entire season you know all, mm-hmm. re- all year round. Oh, um, wow. yeah so when i was like uh how old was i i was probably 18 or 19. you know at this point i'm out of school i'm working full time i saved money up and i bought my first nitro it was a nitro i think it was a seven or 800 lxs an old red nitro but the guy i bought it off he was a marine he never used it it was like brand new looking It had no hours on it dude i ran that thing all around all around like south jersey all around the upper bay up to new york i took it everywhere as i possibly could go because i just you know i thought it was freaking just the coolest thing ever no graphs i mean just me a trolling motor and outboard and some gear um then from there i decided to you know upgrade a little bit i met i met a guy i started fishing a local club here called tidewater Bassers, and that's kind of where I I, I made my foundation of, of fishing and you know I, I grew a lot of strengths that way because growing up here I started meeting the guys that are really good around here. A couple of the guys really took me underneath their wing and and more or less showed me how to win is the best way for me to say it. Because uh, these were the guys that were winning consistently And I was lucky the two guys that were the baddest guys around here live right down the street from my dad's house so. I literally would get to the bus stop. My bus stop every morning was right in front of their house, and <laughs> they were the ones that got me to the club because like, oh man, come on out and, and bass fish with us. We got a club, blah, blah blah. I was like, all right, I'll try it. So my first year in Tidewater, it's one pound per point. So if you catch a one pounder, you get one one point essentially. Mm. You know, so so I fished the whole entire year. It was a seventeen. We had seventeen tournaments that year. I think I had fourteen pounds for the entire year. Like that's how bad I sucked.
2: <laughs> so,
4: but. But granted I was, I was fishing <laughs> behind these guys in the same boat every tournament, which didn't make it that easy, but Oh, definitely know, not. It allowed me to watch them fish. It allowed me to learn how they do it. And they were winning almost every time I fished with them. So here I am, you know, I'm netting all the fish in all these tournaments. Um, but it, it allowed me to take the time just to watch the win, watch how they approach things, watch how they unfold their day. If things weren't going right, what adjustments they made. And all that today has helped me out tremendously so one of the guys his name is Mike Sims he is my best friend still to this day and he's the only guy that I fish buddy tournaments with in South Jersey because he's the only guy I trust he knows every single thing that I know in the beginning he was winning he was like you know 10 12 pounds which wins here a lot everywhere as we go um, so he taught me a ton in the beginning a lot of the areas we fish. So we fish bite tournaments now. It's almost like we've been fishing bite tournaments now for damn there 22 years, probably together.
5: Mm.
4: Um, That's crazy. Same yeah. fishing
2: partner, man. That's awesome. Yeah.
4: Dude, we have never once in all these years ever had an argument, never had a dispute, never nothing. And he's like my my brother I never had. Um, He's just my best friend. I mean, best friend of my wedding, everything. So
0: Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
4: Uh, With that being said, you know, if you guys are, are, guys that want to fish team tournaments i think the biggest thing that i've learned from this whole experience is if you can if you can gel with your partner that's the key to success as a team tournament i really truly believe that because like i said there's never a discrepancy there's so many times in the water where me and mike have so much experience together on these places we go to make a move sometimes or we'll we'll tell each other what we're thinking and there's been so many times where we say the same thing the same time to each other about going somewhere (laughs) it's crazy man
3: (laughs) same wavelength
4: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, that, that's, that's why we win so much because we're so dialed in together. Yeah. Um, but fast forwarding past all that club mm-hmm. years, I really wanted to advance. So I started fishing federations around New Jersey Bass Federation and instantly I, I had success instantly. Um, me and Mike started doing some bigger team tournaments back then there used to be a trail called Midwest Bassers. I think it might've been out in your area too. It was all over country. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that. We dominated it really good. We went down to the Classic of Kentucky Lake. We almost won. It was a 400 boat tournament, um, and this is this is before like Facebook. We had no information. We just went South Jersey style fishing. We got back in creeks, and we just did what we did.
2: Um, and that's back when Kentucky Lake was probably popping off too, because Kentucky Lake's kind of like <clears throat> right yeah, now.
4: it was. It was. It was just before. The ledge fishing blew up there so but the populations were hmm. huge the fish were big it was just so much fun it was like our vacation trip every year we had together in october um <laughs> then from there you know i was like you know what i'm gonna start fishing the Bassmaster opens so in 2006 i decided to try it like let them all in man i bought a brand new nitro and i was like i'm going for it so so two- let's start in
2: debt baby let's do this <laughs> yeah
4: <laughs> exactly so Starting the negative yeah, it's always in the red, right? Yeah. Dude, that's why that's why Zoom's red and taking your money. Yeah. No kidding. In 2006, there was five tournaments per division. It's a lot different than now than what it is now. But mm-hmm. in 2006, my very first try, I qualified for the Bassmaster Elite Series my first try. And So in 2006, wow. the problem was when Chris mm-hmm. Bose called me on the phone and said, hey, we need $55,000 for entry fees. Guess what? I'm just a poor kid that was doing construction. I didn't have no money. So I I ended up turning my dream down right on the spot. And it was the hardest thing in my entire life. I cried on the phone, dude. I was, I was devastated,
2: but. I mean, I can only imagine that to one shot it like that, which 90% or more of these guys, that's probably their dream. And then they never even get that opportunity. I mean, so many guys work so long just to get to it, to do it as fast as you did. And then. Like you said, man, I'm in the same boat. I was, you know, I was the poor kid in town too. I would have never had that opportunity. When you were leading up to this, was it, were you looking at it like you just wanted to keep competitive fishing on higher levels or were you already looking like this is what I want to do as a job? This is, I don't want to, I don't want to be a construction guy. I want to fish for a living.
4: Absolutely hated doing construction, but it was the (laughs) only thing that I could supplement to get my time off and make just enough money to cover my fishing and it bass professional bass fishing at this point was the only thing on my mind that is it that's all i wanted to do i eat slept and i breathe the bass fishing every day of the week and especially tournament fishing um but at that young age i was in my low 20s i had no idea of the business side of bass fishing i was completely clueless i just i just I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I thought. I probably just thought, oh, if you make it, their sponsors are knocking your door. And guess what? That's not the case.
3: <laughs> not it's not just about the fishing, it's a lot more. Than
2: that. And um, I feel like it was even harder back pre social media because, I mean, for everybody listening, we talk about it all the time. Part of being professional at anything is marketing yourself. Yeah. You already see that probably greater than half of anybody doing any sport is terrible at marketing themselves. And that's why some people fizzle out so fast. So it it, back in, you know, pre 2000, probably I'd say even 2008, 2009, anything before that, like marketing and everything on yourself was probably virtually impossible unless you're just killing it all the time at tournaments. I mean, I, I, I always go back to Gerald Swindle, you know, with the limited success that he's had as far as a win goes, but he's a personality. Well, you know, back in the early 2000s, if you weren't on TV, you weren't a personality that anybody knew. So did you, did you have a lot of those struggles in the beginning, you know, being was, able to get a lot of those sponsors?
4: It was it was impossible. I, I, I didn't know how to go about it. That was the biggest problem. I had no clue. Um, so let's just fast forward from 2006. So coming through. You know what I thought to myself back then? If you got Aoi, if you won the Aoi, you actually won some money. I think I think back then it was actually free entries. There was some weird thing they did back then. They used to do a lot more for the anger back then in the opens than they do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my goal was I never had a plan B. It was okay. Let's let's try to figure this out, and we're gonna requalify again all them years later from 2006 all the way i re-qualified back in 2018 so put that in perspective that's how many more years it took me
5: (laughs) golly yeah
4: dedication is 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 a must at this level nowadays because it's only harder now than it's ever been but so doing construction again all them years in 2016 16. 2017 it was 2017 still doing construction i came close to qualifying for the lead series for years in a row i would miss it by like a point miss it by just a fish catch or a fish loss i mean heartbreaking years and something inside of me i know we've all heard this kind of stuff you need to go all in that's that's what just kept knocking in my head i went to my dad and i literally quit cold turkey and i had no plan b what to do But it's crazy. But that winter before I quit, I decided to get my captain's license and I never, ever wanted to be a guide, but I knew being a guide would allow me to fish every single day and only make me better. So that was the whole premise on my, I wanted to be a guide. So I got my guide license.
2: And and you're getting paid. I mean, that's, yeah. Well, here's here's (laughs) the
4: deal. Here's the deal. (laughs) When you quit cold turkey and you got no plan B besides starting a guide service, it is extremely hard to make money if you're a new guide owner trying to start a business. My first year as a guide was financially the most toughest year of my entire life because I I didn't have nothing. All I had was a little bit of money in the bank to get started, and I just got by with just enough trips. But coming on to my second year, the trips I did were always really, really good. I never fish on any of my guide trips. I don't really do them nowadays, but I never would fish on any of the guide trips. My experience that I wanted my clients to have was, when I when you're out there, we're gonna pull up to an area, but prior to fishing, I'm gonna explain every single thing that we're gonna do, why we're doing it, and what the layout is, and I'd show them every single thing, whether it was on the mapping, it was 360. If we pull up to a big grass clump. I wanted them to have the best experience ever. Well, that one first year of me doing the trips. My second year, dude, it was crazy. My phone would never stop ringing. I booked the entire year. I was so busy. Some of the guys, not so, actually a lot of the guys, would book six, seven, eight times a year because they would tell me, man, the experience we had with you is just, we've never experienced that before. But that was always my goal. If you're going to come out fishing, you're going to pay me. I am going to give you the best experience ever. I held nothing back. I gave the best baits that are on the body of water I fished, and I went to the very best spots. I held nothing back but I, but that was the whole thing behind it. I had to build something that was so special if I wanted to get myself to the next level. And that was the whole point behind what I did.
2: No. Yeah. And I mean, I, so there's a few guys in the kayak world that are doing that. And going on? I haven't thought about it as much f- from that perspective until you mentioned it. Too. Cause I mean, I think a guy's like Russ Snyder got third in this tournament. Russ, it was a hammer in the boat in California, made the switch. And I mean, he guides a lot, you know. And I mean, it doesn't, he's not really advertising it yet or anything like that. But I've never thought about w- what he's benefiting from that other than making some money. I mean, it's just yeah. everybody already knows that Russ is hard to beat on the water just about anywhere in the country. And now, if you think about that, he's guiding, just like you said, man, you're on the water all the time yeah. and you can just. It's basically staying in practice the whole time so that's incredible
4: it, it really is and the crazy part was here's the deal so i i would guide on the upper bay this is a pretty cool little story it's not cool it's just a little story but there was a campground that was there it was a cam- it was like, like a camper only campground and to, to stay here you had to pay 1500 bucks for the entire season which is cheap on the upper bay on a campground on the water with a ramp with everything besides like a bathroom and a shower so I bought this camper for $300. It was a wind up camper. I bought it for 300 bucks. It was an apps. Abso- I, I must be lucky. It was an absolute mint condition. Like they have never used it, garage kept. It was like, it was, I don't know what year it was 85 or something, but the vinyl, I mean, it was the most prettiest, beautiful little camper ever. I brought that to the camper, around. I paid him 1500 bucks. I put my camper there. I'd sleep in my camper every night, every night. I would go to the flying J after my guide trips, get a shower brush my teeth and get it a camper every single night pay 15 dollars a night for a shower i mean i I roughed it dude i didn't have anything so i i did it i did it the hardcore way that sounds like
2: living the dream man (laughs) let's be real like i'd be fine
5: with that
4: yeah and so my second year at the camper now you know i'm actually making some money i got you know i'm doing five to seven trips a week and sometimes i was doing double day in the summertime i mean i'm making i have a lot of cash in my pocket it's I'm, i'm just hoarding all this stuff i'm saving it all That year I qualified for the lead series and I took my camper. so I have, I have, I have $1,800 invested into the $1,500 campground, 300 into my camper. I didn't count the showers, but I ended up selling that camper for $1,800. I got all my money back and I qualified (laughs) for the lead series. It's just, it's just, it's so unbelievable how things work out when you look back on them. I could tell you some more stuff too. Look at my shirt I'm wearing right now, but I qualified for leap that year i think the main reason why is because i went all in i just i i just did it that i never looked back i said i'm done i'm fishing man let's just go get this thing and
2: did I you did. not ever ever have a weak moment as far as you're having such a successful guide business did you ever like step back and think well i mean like i could just do this instead i'm still getting a fish for a living i'm, I'm making good money it's got to be a little bit less stressful than following the pro series around. I mean, it's I would, obviously probably saving you money if you stuck, if you stuck with that.
4: Yeah. I, I would wake up in the morning and I still feel like this isn't what I want to do.
2: That's you how know. you know you're invested. I like it. Yeah. So I, I qualified
4: for man 2019 was, it was a dream come true. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not an emotional guy, but I could have cried on, on, I think I might've cried the first time I walked well across the stage. like a little tear did come out. I was like, man, this. Guy oh yeah.
3: I mean, is... you worked hard for that. Uh, talking like almost it's... over a decade, a decade. Work. Of, yeah. getting my, getting oh, my and it's on. gotta
2: be bittersweet to have, have it dangled right in front of you. And you just, there's nothing you can do to get it. And then yep. you got to grind for, a, you know, 12 more years. That's insane. Yeah. So I want to, you said, look at the shirt you're wearing. Tell me a story on that. I want to hear it.
4: So this is, this is Northeast Precast opposite side. Northeast Precast is my title sponsor. Now this is a kind of a crazy story. So I have two really big sponsors. Northeast Precast is one. Superior Walls is the other one.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Back a long time ago, this guy, John Ruga, used to come to my dad when he was building houses. John wanted to start this company called Northeast Precast. He bought the rights to superior walls for twenty thousand dollars but when he bought them rights for superior walls he he took up the entire new jersey seaboard and any any precast walls go in they have to go through john well he used to beg my wow. dad he used to beg my dad let me put foundations on your jobs my dad was a big-time builder runner. here let me do foundations on your jobs let me get in my dad always told him no told him no because if he landed my dad it actually would allow his business to take off because if eddie de palma believes in john ruga that I believe it John's that's kind of how it's a small niche you know around here is how it was oh, yeah my dad finally said yes to John Ruga and John completely blew up now John's like a 13 or 14 million dollar company around here Dang. and it's it's full circle 110 percent because my dad gave him the opportunity now looking back all them years doing construction I installed so many plates on top of John's walls I know the product inside and out that he builds but that is where john came back full circle and said greg you made the elite series you let me know. He, he told me because when you make your lead series laughing you know kind of playing around you let me know we'll take care of you well i made the lead series i called john and john said come on into my office we we'll have a talk and that's kind of where the whole thing took off and then john called superior walls corporate which is also a multi-millionaire company in pennsylvania they're the whole franchise owner john got me in the door and i got corporate also
2: that's awesome golly really? man yeah. unbelievable that's, it's like is, so many puzzle pieces that just just fit right when you needed them to
4: it's the american dream dude i mean that's dude, it that's, is that's
3: what it is
2: i'm quitting but, my job tomorrow
3: yeah you're inspiring it here let's go drop her. yeah right. i'm my in business it's tomorrow. Tomorrow.
2: <laughs> yeah. i mean i it's, guess it is
4: <laughs> it's an unbelievable story but you know not the you know, toot my horn, but you're looking at somebody that absolutely busted their ass for every piece of it.
2: Dude, it sounds like it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue that with you at all. I mean, yep. I know that that story could go on for hours and hours. There's probably hundreds of points just like that that's happened and things you had to overcome. But yep. we'll save that for another episode because I definitely have uh, already got another <laughs> idea in mind. But uh,
3: so it's also awesome to see like how far you've come from that point and yep. like, how. How that's played into your development. Get getting dropped yeah. off at the lake for twelve hours <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: every day. <laughs> I, I was
4: I was gonna say, you know, at the end of the day, I owe all their cards to my dad because my dad was the one. My dad's very successful in what he does. He had a really strong business, but all there's three of us boys. Every one of us, he told us, you want something, you go out and get it. And that's how it's been my entire career with him. It's never, you know, he would he would do some things to help us out, but he made us work for it. You know, and that's 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 what's lost today. I feel like a lot of college kids and a lot of these kids that are out there nowadays.
2: More, more. There's, I see it even now in like the college uh, bass circuits. I've I've met some of those guys, and you can tell the ones whose families are better off, and it's just kind of they're assisted along. And then there's there's guys in certain colleges and stuff like that that you've been hearing about them come up from little bitty towns, you know, beating up on the old men at the Tuesday nighters, and now they're. (laughs) They're the top team in the country right now. So, uh, well, let's start to, to dabble into our little niche of it. So, so you're back in the elite series. Um, how, what got on your radar with kayaks? Do you have some, some people that do it? Do you know some of these bigger anglers or directors? What first brought it across your field of view more, more or less?
4: Tiny boats, man. Tiny boats, tight water. That's my wheelhouse. That is what I grew up doing. If you guys ever come to South Jersey, come out fishing me. I'll show you exactly what we're doing. It's a kayak is the perfect boat for it because you can get anywhere. You can, you can. It's literally like I called it before. It's hand to hand combat bass fishing, and that's what I grew up doing. Kayak fishing.
2: I love it. I I always tell people it's way more intimate in a kayak than on the boat. You're down there on their level, and you don't have even that little mechanical advantage of the boat being able to just sit still. Like I've been sleigh rides all over little creeks and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And that is the coolest thing in the world.
4: That's what we call it. We call it but here. We call it bobsled. That's what we call there it.
3: There you go. Yeah. Do you think awesome. if uh, like today's kayaks were out at the time when you first had that like $500, would you have gotten a kayak instead of a John boat or.
4: I don't think so, just because of the reason everybody around here was running John Boats. So, yeah. you know, ideally everybody else did. Yeah. Right.
2: Makes sense. Well, and then with your, your initial, you know, ultimate goal, you know, yeah. to get up to the Elite Series, you know, the kayak's probably not the right path for that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's changing. I think it that is. could change. Yes. But we're going to talk on that too. So, uh, when did you, I think I already know the answer, but when did you first get to try one? Uh, the first day of practice, which is Wednesday before this event. That's what I thought. I, I knew, I knew, I knew the answer. So that's insane, man. You had zero experience in a kayak, but you have all the experience of a top tier, top level bass angler. So I'm just—it's there's so many questions. I'm trying to figure out which one makes the most sense. To well, ask first. I mean,
3: to be fair, like that little twelve foot. 12 foot john boat you're talking about is pretty close to that old town that I, I saw you in like that's i mean stability wise and storage it, like
4: it is i, I have a, a 12 or 11 6 uh crawdad here out crawdad that i use for certain events when i got to get real shallow yeah the the autopilot 136 is is more stable than that crawdad by a mile <laughs> right that's <laughs> hilarious so i i spent on the off season here, you know, once I decided I'm, I'm doing this and you know, I worked everything out, I spent countless hours on YouTube, dude, just watching every single buddy, everybody's video on, on kayak fishing. And I literally just went over everything. And I, you know, it's funny because I watched a few videos how to like get into a kayak because you think a kayak, it's going to be tippy. So I watched a few videos how to get in a kayak. So I remember I took the kayak off. I went to Browns Creek Bridge. I took the kayak off. And I, I, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, do I pull it up on the shore or do I tie it to the dock? So I just pulled up <laughs> onto the rocks right there. Where I'm like, ah, I'll just pull it over right here. I put the power pole down, locked it in there. So I, I parked my truck. I walked back down and I'm like, well, them guys would take the kayak and kind of turn it sideways and get it to the ramp. And they'd use their paddle to support yourself and they'd get into it. And I was like, what am I doing? So I, I just pushed the kayak off the rocks and I literally ran and I jumped into it. And I jumped, <laughs> in, I,
2: I jumped in and I was like, damn, I said, this thing don't even move. This is <laughs> fucking awesome. that's so crazy so you did you get all your inspiration for how you rigged it up just from like you kind of know what you need from like the bass boat bass fishing perspective but basically just from youtube you were just like this is the room i got to work with and i got to fit this stuff on it and that you you just went for it
4: I, i saw all the accessories and i thought to myself man i could build something better than this i mean i've done construction i can build anything i've always built all these john boats so my layout that i built with the coffin style box. The, I built the rod racks. Everything you see on there, on the the things holding the graph, I built every single thing you see from hand. Um, um,
5: that's awesome.
4: I, yeah, because I, I thought that, you know, I didn't want rods rod sticking straight up because I'm new to kayak fishing. I'm, I'm not used to having something behind me ever casting. So I yeah. made sure my, my rods are low, parallel. Uh, the box itself was sealed, never got wet, even in that big storm when I was there fishing. All the tackle stayed dry. Everything was just
3: absolutely flawless. It was really good. Jesus. So I saw that uh, horizontal rod storage that you built and that, that, that's awesome. Yeah. See,
2: I didn't realize that you had built it, but that was like, I saw one of the Bassmaster pictures of your boat. And that's the first thing I noticed. And I was like, well, hold it. Yeah. I got to get <laughs> yeah. one of those. Like, <laughs> I've got horizontal rod storage, but mine sit. I call them like in the ready like position. Across, like horizontal. So they're like, I, I cast right-handed. So they are literally right at my left hand facing mm-hmm. forwards great for like follow-up baits and stuff like that yeah. but sometimes like you talk about doing you get back in them creeks and stuff you got to pull that motor up then they get in the way for paddling so yeah. that little setup you got is pretty nice it's it's inspired me for sure it, it's, it worked out really good i mean so it, what were... what was your first like 10 minutes like in it like
4: well, did here's... you fill it
2: out or did you just go for it
4: oh i, I floored it instantly
2: um, <laughs> yeah. I,
4: I, yeah i put it on i put it on, on high i was on ten. Here's the thing that kind of like threw me off a little bit. So, like I said, I'm used to fishing out of a John boat on a trolling motor, but all of our lakes here are only 50 to 70 acres or tiny. I put in at Browns and I wanted to go to the very back of Browns and it was it was like 4.1 miles or 4.2 miles to get to the back of the GPS. So I'm like, ah, that ain't nothing. An hour later, here I am, still trolling motor all the way back of that thing. I'm like, Jesus, I should just rant over here. But that was that was a little learning curve I had. Um, the, the biggest learning curve that I had in the kayak is I stood the entire time, pretty much. I drove the thing on high, standing up. I never sat down. I'm not used to sitting down, so I'm not sitting down. The only time I'll probably sit down is if it's rough. Uh,
0: Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This
1: upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more.
4: This week, I lost three three fish, one key fish, like a six and a half pounder, because I had the trolling motor on constant. I was kind of going like in between, I was fishing a couple of ditches, but I was going in between the ditches and I had the trolling motor, and it got me. There's four ditches, and every time I got in between one, I would put the trolling motor on three, which isn't really fast, but even in a john boat, when I get a bite and I'm rolling on a trolling motor, I still have a deck to kind of turn my body and back up a hair. In the kayak, you just have one swing motion and you're out of room. Yeah. so when, when i was going forward a little bit and i'd, I'd cast up ahead a little bit angle you know on a, probably a 65 degree angle i cast up there they'd bite it i never had enough to get with the troll litter still moving i never had enough to get a hook the six and a half it bit and it came directly at me on a full cast and I'm, I'm winding as fast as i can i find <laughs> it out to the front of the kayak and i turn the rod i pull up on it this giant bass comes up goes it just spits its trap right in my face. And I was like, no, that was, that was day <laughs> no. two. That was my, that was my fifth fish. And I, I thought that was going to haunt me, but thank God it didn't. So I have a little bit of learning to do. I'm pretty sure I have the whole entire launching process down. But the only thing that was hard too was like, how far do I, when I'm, when I'm pulling the kayak out, how far do I back the trailer in? Cause I made a custom trailer for it. I took the bunks off and I made the PVC like a lot of you guys do. And mm-hmm. I made it so when that old town goes onto it, and goes all the way up. It has a little notch in the front. It actually locks to the PVC when you pull it all the way up. So Nice. Yeah, so the other thing was, you know, I didn't know how to put the kayak on there. I'm like, do I do I put a tether rope? Do I push it out there and pull it up? I didn't know. So it <laughs> yeah. trial, trial and error, I, I ended up getting it by doing that. And granted, it wasn't windy really that windy. I tried it. I'm sure it's pretty hard when it's blowing really. I need little side bunks on the side of the kayak. I think to really get it lined up perfect every time, just yank it up there and I'm done. So probably a little more adjustment on some of the stuff, but otherwise I think it was pretty freaking awesome.
2: That's probably the only event. We're not the only, but uh, I run a, a Hobie with a stern mount motor mm-hmm. and my trailer setup. I drive it on there like a bass boat. I just that's drive nice. it on there, slide the boat up and it's all just been the b- best thing ever since I did that. Cause you can't get it up there with the pedals in on any boat that's got pedals. This has been like the best setup so far, but you'll, you'll get the hang of it and you'll start to like, you'll, you'll start finding the things you don't need that you do need and little tweaks to make. But yeah. so it's crazy. I, I would think that there was way more of a, I mean, I guess learning curve would be the word, but you know, like hang-ups, and you just went for it. I mean, you just full send like, this is cool. I'll do it.
4: I had no idea how to work the app. Uh, Dwayne, while I did reach out to me and I never <laughs> called him, I, I, I messaged him back, but I never called him and said, Hey, I got problems. How do I do this? I just, I, just, I I can figure it out on my own. I was like, I'll just push buttons. I'll figure it out. So I <laughs> I, I caught the first bass and I put it on, on the board and I'm like, man, this is way harder than it freaking looks, you know, because I'm, I'm in there. I'm, I got the fish and I'm like, I better dunk this fish again. I'm holding the fish in the water, trying to get some air to it I put it back on the board. It's all slippery all over again. I'm trying to hold it down. I'm trying to get a pitcher. I must've took like hundred pitches of the very first fish because I never got it right. You know, the mouth would be open. The tail is not right. I'm not getting the <laughs> yeah. full inches out of it. That was the that was the biggest learning curve, but by day two, I got it pretty good.
2: My man's dialed in. What do you <laughs> think about that And compared to you know traditional? Do you do you like the I mean, we, we like it because it's good better for the fish, but what what do you think? Did you like the process?
4: Yeah, I mean, that that was one of the funnest things about this. The whole thing was brand new to me. So that's what made it fun also, because it was like when you don't know what you're doing, it's just, I don't know, it just makes it fun. It's just new. I never experienced yeah. something like this. So, yeah, I i loved—I love from start to finish, and I can't wait to fish the next one.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. So, did you, in your decision pro- process to do this, was it, were you looking at, like, I, w- I need to find an alternative source of income? I need to find another way to stay on the water more often. I need something different to keep, keep me fresh. What, what drove you to the, I mean, obviously like you like the Creek fishing, and you like the back stuff. You like the small boat aspect, but was there a, like a professional point of interest for it? 100%.
4: Like I said a little bit ago, I saw the growth of this starting to take off big time. Uh, all these years later being in the business side of this stuff. Now I can see that there, this is an avenue to make a lot of money if you do it properly. Um, you know one thing I could say to you guys that are gonna watch this podcast the problem with bass fishing out of boats is a lot of guys pretty much will sell their soul for a discount if this kayak community can get on top of this before that starts to happen I think at the ending return it's only gonna be better for the whole entire kayak community just don't sell your shirt for nothing you know make sure if you go in there with reset idea let's say you want to get some money or you want you know a good amount of free product you got to know your number if you don't meet it tell them no that's that's what it comes down to because like I said this industry that I fish is very flooded And I think the kayak side and all the companies that associate with kayak stuff they're not to the point now where yet to where they they know they can take full advantage of people because people will do stuff for nothing yeah you know right
2: there there's, there's some of those companies out there and we've done shows on it. And my advice, you know, I've got some sponsors. Garrett has some sponsors, you know, we're not to the level. And I would say this for most kayakers, we do have some, some guys like Russ, Jody queen, a bunch of the bigger names that are making really good money. Christine that are at that getting paid level, um, which is going to open the doors for more and more of it for the rest of us. But there are some of those companies that are like, yeah, sure. 10% discount. You know, I always say like at least if it's a discount, it better be a good discount, you know, right. I, I, you know, right around cost. Um, And then like you said, uh, you know, maybe do that for a year. And then once you prove your worth and your worth doesn't mean that you've got to be a top level angler, you've got to be a, we were talking about it before. It's about promoting yourself, promoting them, you know, marketing and networking, do it for a year and then you reconfigure. And then that's where you, maybe you move up to free stuff or small, small payments or reimbursements, you know. Put yourself out there to work for them other than being in the boat, you know, uh, expos, seminars, things like that. And I think that most of the kayak fishing industry or the people in the industry see that we're like on the cusp of that. We're it's we're we're in that point where we've got to make steps towards it or we're going to miss that window. And uh, that's why when I I saw that you were going to do this, I was like, this is the I, I heard so many times this weekend after you won, people were like, oh, great. Now it's going to flood with professional anglers going to come down here and take everybody's money. I was like, how- why is that a bad thing? Like, if you yeah. beat them, that makes you better.
4: Exactly.
2: And these guys, have already you've already made a name for yourself, especially with backstories like you have, that you worked for every bit of this. You've already got the Bassmaster name on your, you know, on your on your jersey, they're already covering you. You win an event like this and you just bring that spotlight over to our little corner of the world, which is what we need right now. We need these other companies yep. and these industries to see that we need your money too. You put your money here, it's money well spent. And I've saw nothing negative at all about you coming down here and everybody getting beat by a noob. Cause that's what you are in the kayaks. He's a <laughs> noob. Yeah. He had been in his kayak for less than 36 hours and beat the hell out of all y'all. So just be salty folks.
4: Yeah. Do better. <clears throat> my, my but, buddy, my buddy texts me. He goes, man, great job out there. I said, dude, I got no idea what I'm doing. I just had to grab some <laughs> real men. That's
2: it. Yeah. <laughs> so did you, um, You know, we're still we're still kind of in the pre-tournament stuff. But being new to the kayak, did you realize that you could load back up and move? And did you hit a bunch of different areas or did you just kind of like. Since you didn't have any experience with it, did you kind of just like dial in around the Browns Creek area? Like, I'm just going to this is what I've got to work
4: with. Well, I heard chatter that I could pull out and move, but I was scared to because I didn't want to break a rule because I didn't know. (laughs) That's the honest truth. And the other side of that is, too. The thing on the paper said lines out of two. I thought that meant you had to get back at the ramp at two. So every day I'd lose a half hour. So I lost one hour of tournament yeah. fishing because I got back to the ramp a half hour. I needed a half hour early to get back every single day. And I'd get back in day two. I got back. I'm like, damn, where is everybody? And I saw, I actually <laughs> you're saw You're DQ'd
2: Russ. and you're DQ'd yeah. and you're yeah. DQ'd.
4: <laughs> I actually, I, I pulled out and Russ, Russ pulled out the same time I did. And Russ said, hey, can you give me a ride over? And I asked him. I said, dude, I said, can I fish? Till two anywhere's in the lake, and he goes, "Yeah, dude, you're good." I was like, "Oh man, I lost an hour in the tournament." <laughs> but um, yeah, so hey. I, I do have experience on Gunnersville. That's my third or fourth time being there. Um, but I did know I, I did practice different this time. I, I didn't. I talked about this on Bashu earlier today. Like, I really poured it on in practice. You know, typically for a lead event, I shake everything off. In this, in this tournament, in this practice, I fished. I fished and I fished for bites in practice mm-hmm. because I knew I needed an area that I could sit in for the full 8 hours pretty much because I I don't have I don't want to move if I don't have to. So that was the biggest thing for me. So I actually hooked a ton of fish in practice which I never do just for the sole reason. I do know this is Guntersville this time of year the populations once you find them are usually big enough to sustain you know a single a single day or two day event no problem. Yeah. So that was the, one of the biggest things why I also pushed on them really hard. And,
3: yeah. and a lot of new fish are probably moving into those areas. There was a lot Unlike of things your... that
4: are happening this week that made it, so it made it to be what it would be. You know, practice-wise, I was catching a lot of males that were like, I didn't catch any females in practice. Or, yeah, I call, yeah. I did catch a few that were, but not in this area. I had some four-pounders in this other area. I fished a Brown creek Bridge, and I live-scoped some big ones. But – Uh, you know, I just knew where I was in Browns. I felt like this is where they're coming. The one day was real bright and sunny. I saw a ton of beds, no bass on them, but I was like, man, they're going to come. This is where they're coming to.
2: Yeah. You know, and it's that, that, it that's just so crazy to think something I was mentioning to a guy earlier, did it seem like a little bit of relief? So in an elite series event, you're talking about, you know, three, four days of practice and then having to manage fish for four, you know, up to four days, Was this just like a lot just less stressful? Like, okay, I can just smack down on these guys and not have to really worry about burning through a spot. Or did you did you kind of still give it that same approach? I mean, a little bit like you would in the boat.
4: I felt no pressure at all. I felt zero. I think I was having Mm -hmm. so much fun in the kayak that it kind of like took my mind off everything. I'm telling you, man. Like I was driving to think a madman on high, just turning hard as I could. I was having fun out there. (laughs) <laughs> um, that's so crazy <laughs> yeah but no i i really my wife and baby was with me and you know i'd get back at night and i'd be i'd be happy she's like what's wrong I'm like i don't know i said this is i'm just having fun i said this is a, a real cool experience so far and I, I told her i said man i feel like i'm at home fishing just because it's so tight and so little of a boat it just there's something about that with me if you look at my history every time you go at least events, I got really small lakes i always do a lot better because i feel like i'm more at home in these small tiny lakes yeah fish
2: So from a, again, going back to the, from a professional perspective, how did you feel about, you know, the cost difference? Cause I mean, yeah, you have sponsors that help with a lot of things in the boat world, but if you look at the number as a raw number, it is expensive, you know, fuel, you know, places to stay, et cetera, like that. Take that and then your payout that you got for this. How did that, were you, was it like, oh no, hell yeah, I can do this. Like this could be way less stressful money to be made. You know, did you look, or was it just, you took this one as like, this was just a really cool, fun first trip. I could probably do this some more.
4: No, I I definitely, I definitely thought about all this prior to everything. Um, This is the first time in my life that I got 400 miles to a gas tank towing something. So that was pretty awesome because when I towed the <laughs> way, my gas mileage is like eight or nine. It's horrible. I'm getting like almost fifteen on my truck ton of kayak. So that was a big bonus. Um, zero overhead, no gas in the kayak. I just would sort of plug my Dakota Lithium every single night and charge it. Done. Um, so I, I ended up spending probably I didn't add it up yet, but somewhere from fifteen hundred to, to two thousand dollars total. So I won basically eleven grand if you look at it that way before taxes. So you fish a BFL, man. You pay two hundred and fifty bucks. You put a thousand in your truck and boat for that week, and you're going to win four grand. Guess what? The kayak makes way more sense efficient than BFL to me. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and everything is too. And I just did this tonight just because I was curious. If you look at what the kayak series takes in on the entry fee and what they're paying out, dude, they're giving a lot of it back. Yeah, a ton of day back. And we have people that
2: are complaining about it. Go <laughs> I'm fish like, a bass tournament out of a boat. and let That's always know. my argument. It was like, have you never fished anything other than in this kayak? Because everybody else is robbing you blind, man. Like, yep. there's not as much yeah. money to be made. There, yep. is a, there is a joke about how pro bass fishermen are still broke. Because yes. it's so much money going into it to, you know, little to no return unless you're like you got your guys on your MLF circuits like winning four events a year. You know, that's a little different, but I just, I can't, I'm so glad you're smart enough in the industry and know the business behind this, <laughs> that you can say that I need everybody listening to this, to hold that piece of information <laughs> and spread that yeah. word everywhere Yeah, that we pay out good. And the money's coming back to the right direction, guys. Jesus Christ. It's,
4: <laughs> it's the best thing going right now, period. The fish the bass master elite series and if you want to do it right pre-efficient, you're gonna spend a hundred grand a year. That's what you're spending. Between entry fees and hotels and everything else, I spend about a hundred thousand dollars every single year. That's what I spend.
2: With no guaranteed return. With
4: with zero, I mean, you know, depending on how your sponsorship's laid out. But yes, otherwise you got zero return. You're spending unless you really live out of your truck, you might spend seventy-five thousand dollars, but you want to do it comfortable and do it right, you're spending one hundred thousand dollars every year. And last year was probably higher. I didn't do it because of the gas prices last year. We're stupid. So when I do my taxes this year, it's probably going to be one hundred and ten thousand I spent last year.
2: Yeah. yep. Oh, it hurts my soul. <laughs> so you you see yourself continuing with this? Then, um, are you going to dabble in the? So so we have three national trails: um, mm-hmm. Bassmaster Circuit, Hobie BOS, which is uh, man powered only, so no motors, and then you've got the the KBF, which is the oldest. Um, and arguably then there's a lot of argue there for most people, but you could talk to Russ. You met Russ. You could ask Russ. It's a great way to make money in a, in a kayak because they have so many ways and little extra things you can buy into like bonus bucks to make money. <laughs> have you looked that far ahead or do you think you're just going to follow one or.
4: I, I, I looked ahead. So I signed a deal this year with old town prior to the season starting. Um, uh, <laughs> I do have two kayaks. I got a pedal drive and I have the autopilot. I am going to try to fish a few Hobie events also this year. Um, the, thing, the thing about it is, here's the thing. I'm going to try to do, it, do this as long as I can. We just had our first kid. We're, we're planning on having another one. So the only reason I could ever see myself stopping is because of family life. I'm going to do the Elite Series as long as I can. But that would be the only reason why, you know, just for time at home to spend with my kids. That would be the only other reason why I think I would back out of this circuit. But right now, I'm going to try to fish every single one that I can that my schedule allows me to.
2: Awesome. I, I'm glad to hear it. Do you, do you think that you've got any, uh, any other, you know, your boater friends that you think you could drag over into a, into this world and give it a try?
4: prosnick called me he says he, he literally calls me on the phone. he goes how much you win i said 13 green he goes all right bye and you just hang up <laughs> <laughs> this, this morning my phone rings at 7 30 this morning it's pipkins he goes man he goes let me hear about it he goes he calls me to go to south jersey that's what he calls me so he goes he goes <laughs> all right he goes all right go to south jersey now you're gonna go to kayak fish he goes how much you win i told him how much i won he goes man that's freaking awesome and chad started to say some stuff man i can see myself fishing out of a kayak but <laughs> will they will they do it it's regardless of how you look at it, it's still a big commitment when you're already fishing nine other events that are national events. So do I think more will come over? Don't know. It's, it's, it's still maybe, maybe they try one or two events possibly, but it's still a giant commitment. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're you're running the country like I am, it's, it's hard.
2: The the thing that in my head, I don't think of it as them coming over as a full commitment to like a whole season. But I think if you can get them to try it once, Kayak fishing seems to hook most everybody, even if it's like they see you continue to follow this path as much as you can and enjoy it. Maybe you get them out with you, even if it's not a tournament. Most folks, you get them on a big fish one time in a kayak and they're like, oh, wait a minute. And then, you, I mean, you look at our rules and the places that we can go. I, my favorite thing to do this time of year is I can get on some of these spawning flats that the Bass Boat guys can't even cast to. And I just oh, like I just wave and then go pitch <laughs> on that bed, you know? That's right. So <clears throat> that'd be, you know, spread the word, let you guys know. I mean, yeah. I, I have zero. I don't care if half the Elite Series comes over. I would love it because yep. they're all not going to be as good as you or have as much luck as you have in one of these events. So we might get to beat some of them and that'd make me feel better about myself. Now if I fished like I did last weekend, that's not the case. (laughs) Let me let me tell you
4: let let me tell you something. The the guys that were in the top ten, they flat out caught them guys. I mean, I don't care. I told somebody else this too in one of your podcasts. It doesn't matter what you fish. When you when you either put 235 guys on a body of water or you have a big national event. There's going to be guys that are going to be on them, and there's going to be guys that can flat out catch them. I don't care what you're fishing, you know what I'm saying? The weights they put right. up were just just as good as an elite <clears throat> series event. It's no different.
2: Yeah, man, it was it was fun to watch. We, I mean, everybody was you know obviously watching how you were doing because of the situation, you know, an elite coming to our stuff, and then we were also watching the guys that we always see on top to see how it stacked up, and you know, I. I said that it would probably be one down there. And I, I made a comment to Garrett. I, I looked at the day one numbers and I was like, Russ is going to make a run tomorrow. And, and here I, when I saw him popping up the leaderboard, I was like, here he comes. Yeah, and then hey, we had a, a local guy here, case in Wallace, you know, he put up 95 inches on day one.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he had a lot of people move in on him apparently on day two, which kind of, uh, ruffle his feathers a little bit, which I mean, does me too. But, uh, it was cool to watch it shake out, man. And it was a great event. So let's let's get into the event. I wanna okay. hear so you you had history. Uh mm-hmm. you you already said, you know, kind of the general area you put in. So tell us about your practice and breaking down in a kayak, what you needed to find.
4: Yeah, you know, the, the biggest thing every, every no matter where I go in the country, obviously the first thing I look at is seasonal pattern and what's going on. We had a full moon coming into the event, like we were coming into a full moon. Yeah, Yeah, it was yeah, today or yesterday, whatever day it was. So we had a lot of things we had a, the whole week before was a good warming trend. It was getting warmer and warmer until the weekend. We had some cold front issues at nighttime a little bit, but you know, typically one thing I, I said is for two, one thing that I, that I made myself not do because I've learned over the years now, I absolutely have a passion for bed fishing. I love sight fishing. And I know this week, a lot of guys were doing it. A lot of fish were against the bank. I saw a lot of locals up there, power pulled down, bed fishing, doing her thing. I kept myself off the bank because number one, I've been burned now fishing the these series a handful of times. I got burnt on Seminole the other day because I focused on bed fishing um, and the females never came. We pretty much had the exact same weather as Seminole, but mm-hmm. we were on Gunnersville. We're a little more north. I feel like the fish act a hair different on these kind of lakes when it gets cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really tried to focus on pre spawn before the spawn. I wanted to get them fish that were fresh, coming off the moon, coming up and getting ready to spawn. That was my whole idea. And when I, when I started, in, well, started in Browns Creek, I started in a different area. I ended up catching maybe two or three. I had a few fish follow that were decent sized, never caught them. But I started working my way out and down. And I remember from the 2020 Classic, I saw the weather that was going to come this week. I saw we had a lot of rain coming possibly on Friday. But in the 2020 Classic, I fished. Browns Creek, I think, is called Browns Creek because it gets blown out a lot. That's why, unless it's got some other weird reason, I don't know why, but um, there was this one area in particular in the 2020 Classic that stayed really clean, and I remembered that, and I went down towards that area, and when I got down there on the Lake Master Mapping, there's a little contour that went into back into a spawning bed. I remember throwing the swim jig up there, and I got smoked instantly on the inside of some grass, and I'm like, all right. And I ended up looking on the map and I looked down and there was three more spots that lined up just like this. And I, I went around, I went and fished the next one, bite fish. The next one bite. Every one I went to, I got a bite. And then I turned back around and I fished it all the way back up again. I started pressing out a little bit. I never got any big ones, but I got a lot of males and that's what kind of gave me the confidence back. Like, all right, man, if I sit through here the entire day, I did not think I was on the winning fish, but I knew the the possibility of them coming was a possibility. Yeah. yeah. Um, Because I was catching so many fresh, green, beautiful, like they were a little bit white just coming out, fresh males. And I'm like, man, it's possible. But after day one, towards the end of the day, when I caught them, I had three giant bites in a row. I lost the other giant day one. But I caught it like a six and a half, seven. And I threw back in there again. And I caught a five, five, five and a half pounder. And I threw back in there again. I had another giant one. I lost it. I'm like, there's definitely some fresh ones coming. I just didn't know how many. And then day day two is when I really unlocked it. And I really just flat out. So day one, I probably literally caught maybe ten fish. Day two, yeah. I had to catch at least thirty thirty good keepers. I had to.
2: Jesus. Yep.
3: So uh, like day one was based really post frontal, and then day two is more like after it's kind of stabilized for a second.
4: I think I think I think day up. two was what helped also is day two it blew a little bit and the direction the wind came in there, I think okay. it made some current, and I think I think a lot of them fish is what they do in a lot of these places we fish. A lot of them fish just literally just go sit out towards the channel area until it gets right or if there's some kind of current to make them set up a little bit. And that's really why I think a lot of the bigger fish got a little bit shallower and I can catch them fish.
2: Yeah. Right. So was the the swim jig kind of your, your be-all do-all this week? Did you in,
4: in practice, every fish came on that. And I, I tried to catch them on a chatterbait. I tried to catch them on every single thing. I did get a few in a white chatterbait in there, but... In the tournament in the morning, I started on a, on a swim jig. I caught 115 incher, never had another bite on it for like <laughs> hours. And then I made the adjustment. I'm like, all right, I'll throw the chatterbait. Threw the chatterbait, nothing. Then I was like, well, I got to slow down. I threw a Sanko around and I picked stuff apart, never had a bite. I picked up the rattle trap dude, whoosh, game over. I just started <laughs> whooping on him. I have it right here, actually. <clears throat> so you can see it's pretty, I don't know if you can see it. I think it's pretty beat the hell up. There you go. It's got some freaking bite muscle over it. She's
2: man, I tried to force. So I love a swim jig and I messed up and got all my bites pre-fishing on the swim jig and a buzz bait. So I knew what I wanted to do. And I went out and buzz bait did not happen, but the swim jig, and that's not true. I caught one like dink, uh, but the swim jig, it was just happening. So it makes me feel so much better that somebody else was throwing one. Cause everybody I talked to was throwing chatter baits, I chatter, bait, chatter, bait, chatter, chatter, bait. and I was like, man, I'll just throw the swim jig. It's fine. That's awesome. I, I've tried to trap too, but again, we were we were upriver and like you talking about the wind setting up and giving you a little current. Mm. We had too much current, man. We had <laughs> I, at it's one point when current. I was going downstream, I touched nine and a half miles an hour on the motor. Wow, <laughs> and was like, holy shit, why am I doing this? Like <laughs> it was rolling on the river. That's fast. So, but, yeah, but uh, that's crazy, man. That I don't know that. You hear most of the time we have guys come in and they're pre-fishing stories. There's a lot of spot moving or they just didn't click it in right then. You know, and
4: I I, I don't get me wrong. A day two, I did bounce around. I mean, I tried other stuff that I knew, but the lake seemed to be a lot different this time. The grass wasn't in a lot of the really good areas that I've caught them out of before. Um, Right. So one of the best areas is in Goose Pond. I've always done really well in this one spot. It was barren. There wasn't anything there. And I'm like, wow, bad that's
3: about all there was there.
4: Yeah, that's really weird. I was surprised on that one. And I didn't get him yeah, in there.
2: That was the same thing that we saw. Uh, <laughs> I, I tried a bunch of the areas, you know, you know, the week before and stuff like or the weekend before. And there was just like, if you found grass, you found just the bases of the, yep. of the, the grass lines and stuff. And we were catching them. But I don't know. That kind of threw me for a loop, too, because, I mean, Last year, February, I think it was the weekend of Valentine's Day, I was up around Honeycomb, catching them on a frog and burning Mm. a chatterbait over the grass. So I had this whole game plan like, well, this is March. This is going to be money. I had the frogs tied on, man. After day one, I was like, nope, don't need these anymore. There is nothing (laughs) here to have a frog. (laughs) That's That's
4: crazy. There's so many times, guys, like in the Elite Series, uh, fishing tournaments on these big bodies of water where like you have a, a crazy practice and come tournament day, them fish are nowhere to be found. And it's like, you got to always, there's so many times that I've done really well, just starting over in the tournament and just go completely blind. Yeah. You know, it happens so much. It changes so fast. So many times it's like, it's almost like you don't even need to practice. Just go out there and let's just go fishing.
2: How many, Um, just thinking back to the comparison, how many rods did you carry with you?
4: I carried five day one and I carried seven day two. Um, I really tried to force the top of her bite too, because I just felt like it was right in the morning. it had a little bit cold, but like it had that feeling like, man, and yeah. there was so much activity with busting on top. I'm like, somebody has got to be bass. You know, So I day one, I threw a buzz bit around a lot. I never had a sniff on it. And then day two, I'm like, I got to probably slow down. So I, I threw a Vixen real nice and slow out there. I threw it for a while. First thing I never had a bite on it. And I was so surprised. And then I picked that freaking trap up, dude. Same thing. instantly I'm like, like what am i doing i gotta throw a trap smoking
5: it
2: yep i think a lot of the the trap bite seems to for me i don't i just never have had luck with it up on the upper end of the lake it always works for me down south browns creek honeycomb area like talking about goose pond mm-hmm. mud creek never have done it well with it north of there and i i tried to force the shit out of that bite i threw that i told him then the little spawning flat that we were in i made like five laps and i probably threw the trap 300 times just like nope they're there they're gonna bite it nope they're there they're gonna no that never happened (laughs) but the uh the the trap on the south end of the lake man and then you know the browns creek area is like legendary like classic classic's been one down there i think twice two or three times maybe yeah but uh well, what was the what was the experience like after the tournament? Like getting to go in, not knowing because you know that you saw the guys were kind of creeping up on you. You know they cut the leaderboard off, uh, which from the bass boat world you don't really know where you're sitting anyway. So you probably didn't have any stress, honestly, because you.
4: I was I was still optimistic. I, I I was still surprised that I won because I mean obviously, day one them guys blasted them. You know and, and typically. From a lot of turn experience, tournament experience, typically, if you catch a really good day one, that usually means you're in an area that can sustain you know more than one day of tournament fishing. So I really yeah. thought them guys were going to catch them all over again, but I had an exceptionally good day. I, I more than doubled. I'll, I should say, the, the top half of, of tournament fishing, your top you know 15 or 18 or so, typically repeats their day one or better, where the rest of the field typically falls off in every tournament I fish, for the most part. Um, but uh, you know, cutting it off. I did check it right before it cut off, and it had me in first place by whatever it was. Um, but I still thought these guys are sandbagging again, man. They're gonna, they're <laughs> gonna, they're gonna come back and get me. I went up to the podium, and it was me and the other guy that got second. And I said, "Dude, I said I don't, I don't know if you got it or I got it." He goes, "Man, you got it." I'm like, "Yeah, whatever, dude." And then they called his name for second. I was like, eh, "Maybe I did win this thing."
2: <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch awesome. the damn the sandbaggers. <laughs> I can't. That's probably my least favorite thing about the the kayaks with the way our leaderboards work is the the guys that wait to post until the leaderboard goes off because i'm like most of the time what, what do you gain from that like
3: i'd rather i, I don't, don't know i'd
2: rather everybody see me beating the hell out of each of, of you all day like check me out
3: but yep what's I cool there's you know, been a couple of times when uh like i've been so focused and honed in on an, an event that i don't think about submitting my fish at that point. And then later on, he's, I'm like, dang, I forgot to submit all my stuff. <laughs> he's there. a lion.
2: He's sandbagger. He's one of them. So <laughs> on the, on the elite series,
4: sandbagging got so bad. Bassmaster said, listen guys, every single event day one and day two, we'll pay the person who's the closest, a thousand dollars every event. So now in the elite series, they're, they're paying us a thousand bucks. Whoever's the closest on their weight.
5: Because oh, that's because, cool.
4: Because Bass yeah. track is the most viewed thing on Bassmaster.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I was wondering why I have seen more of it because you used to just see the guys just be like three pounder and then it's in the box. Yep. And I've seen Literally. so many guys on the scales now, two point six seven. That's why they're free. they're like getting that thousand bucks, baby. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's nine grand in the year, man. That's a lot of money if you win so, them all. Something that you mentioned about how normally your guys that do really good on day one, you know, will have that like that top 10 I'll repeat that on day two. There was really crazy to see how the leaderboard was different day one to day two the names i mean there were still a few of y'all that that you know stayed up there in the top 10 but the day one to day two just flipped and that's what i told somebody i was like this is a perfect example because a lot of the the kayak fishing world is still new enough where a lot Mm -hmm. of guys still like that one day tournament Mm -hmm. and i i you know this was a perfect example of how a two-day tournament can you can have it on one day and then you can you know, mess it up the next day. And then you've got the guys that just consistently caught, you know, like 85 inches, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they didn't have a day of catching, you know, I didn't catch a 20 pound bag. I caught two, you know, 14 pound bags, but look at me, top Mm -hmm. 10, cut me a check. So this was a, this was a really cool diverse setup tournament. Some guys were on them. Some guys were hit or miss. There were fish caught all over. I mean, I know some guys that were way up river that did decent, um, I don't know. It was just it was fantastic. So pretty cool first experience for you, though. I mean, thumbs up for kayak fishing from you, obviously. Oh yeah, this is easy. <laughs> no, it's, it's
4: Nothing, nothing's easy. It wasn't easy. I, I worked my tail off to catch what I caught. Trust me. I, I don't ever feel that sore at the end of the day. And I actually felt a little bit sore after day two.
2: That I definitely uh, understand that. Like I woke yeah. up the next day and was like, my <laughs> God, like what happened. <laughs> Yeah, I, so uh,
3: Gary a... got to go into the goose pond on that Sunday just to because I didn't feel the limit the first day, so I was like, whatever, I'm gonna yep. just go try to learn as much as I can the second day. And uh, I mean, I didn't really learn anything, I didn't catch anything until after the tournament was over. So after it was over, I just said, screw it, I'm staying out here, I'm gonna keep trying to figure this out. Yep, and uh, yeah, when I got home three hours after dark that night i was like oh i'm dead (laughs) (laughs) i'm sleeping i'm out
2: (laughs) yeah the only thing you learned about goose pond was goose pond's way better when there's grass oh yeah (laughs) if there's not grass just don't go are you uh, guys are you guys fishing
4: anymore this year for Bassmaster? what are you guys doing
2: i'm hit or miss a
3: couple things on my schedule
2: i I don't ever follow one trail consistently i'm more of a destination fisherman Okay. Um, this one, I live next to Gunners or down from Gunnersville. I live on Wheeler. Uh, so I, it's like my favorite lake. It's pushing, pushing my, my nerves right now. So it's falling down <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> but, uh, I usually just like, I look at all the schedules from all of them. And if there's somewhere that peaks mattress, like I'm going to do the, the one at the end of the year on the Susky, I'm going to go to that one. I've always wanted to go fish smallmouth mouth and fast moving water somewhere else other than here because i do it in a lot of the uh the backwaters off pickwick around here if you're ever down here and you want to go do that in a kayak holler at me i'll go put you on some brown fish and you know this much water also awesome. change it change life <laughs> but uh it's it's hard to say i'm sure i'll run into you at one at some point this year what about you dude? yeah i'll be, I'll be at the yeah.
3: my next one is going to be that uh Bassmaster, uh kayak series championship on chickamauga Ooh. So I wish I was I, fishing that one. I guess you qualified for next year's, right? With this, with this event. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, you're It comes
2: down to it. <laughs> Our classic, your classic. Which one are you fishing?
4: I'm gonna have to go with mine.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I told him. I was like, dude, you know how much money they make? <laughs> like, go that yeah. way. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's for a, sure, it's a, it's a big deal, man. You know, fishing Definitely, the Bassmaster yeah. Classics. That was a complete joke. We, I would never. Yeah. I would if somebody. Pipes up and says something. Why wouldn't he fish ours, dude? Shut the hell up! Like, <laughs> yep. you know, go read something. You're not even <laughs> the same planet. Yeah, yeah, you're not.
4: That's the pivotal point of this sport is the Bassmasters Classic. I mean, that's that's the that's yeah. the Super Bowl. So,
2: I mean, and that's why for the it, it this that we have it appeals so much for us kayak guys is our chance to walk across that same stage. Yep. Like, I don't even have to win it. I just want to walk across that stage. Like the guys that got to do it the very first year in 2020. Like watching no one knows who the hell we are. And we still were catching comparable bags to the, I mean, it was two different bodies of water, but you know, like our yeah, guys still. bringing in 20 pound bags, your guys bringing in 20 pound bags. It was like, yep. Oh, this is sick. But yeah. so what's yeah, uh for that with, with your, with your schedule with the elites and everything, what's your next one that you think you'll be able to make
4: for the kayak stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fish four
2: of the five. I'm going to fish
4: Hartwell already signed up. Um, I'm gonna fish. What are the other ones you guys have? I'm fishing Susky 100, and I guess the other one's gonna be Lacrosse, right? Is that
2: correct? Yeah, uh, I think I think it was Lacrosse. Yeah, yeah so
4: I'm, I'm I'm fishing all them Possum Kingdom Falls exact same time as Sabine, so I I can't I probably can't make that one. Yeah. Blame no,
2: blame Steve for that one. Yeah, What's damn that? you, Steve. Blame, blame Steve, Steve for that for one. For that one. No. <laughs> that's well, that's something good. to think about, though. So we if we were to start, you know, the sports been in a huge up uphill you know momentum for a while if that continues and we do start to see more of the boat guys dabble with this because i mean there was rumors at one time boyd duckett was talking about uh like an mlf offshoot for the kayak guys Mm -hmm. um the flw dabbled with it before all that Um, whatever if we saw more and more people messing with it, I could see Steve actually having to, and I'll and AJ having to consider these scheduling conflicts on a bigger scale than they're already having to do, which sucks for them because it's already tough.
4: I know it is. I know dude. I'm scheduling
2: stuff for clubs in one state and it's a headache. I can't imagine all this well, crap across the country. It's Jesus yeah. Christ. Yep. That's cool, man. Well, you know, we kept you already over what I told you. Uh, but I'm I'm so glad to have you. It's been a cool story. You're your freaking great conversation, you know, Thank a hard working man that's made it to the, the elite level and then stepped down to our little neck of the woods and there's
4: there's no step down. Don't I would <laughs> never never say that. I mean I it's what you guys have is is really cool, man. I, I'm I'm glad to be a part of it. I feel honored actually. Uh, Steve, I talked to Steve this morning actually, and he told me. Because I, I would, you know, reference. I say you kayak. I, he goes, man, you're one of us now. So he goes, don't talk that way, you know. So <laughs> it feels good to be a part of the family a little bit.
3: Heck yeah, man! And, and you'll we'll welcome me you
2: anytime. Oh, you. dude, that's one thing you'll you'll see the more you get to dabble with us is the the camaraderie is different in the kayak versus I can tell. the world. I mean, the elite um, level and stuff. It may be a little different because it's the guys that have made it. But if you think about like Tuesday night boat tournaments, most of these guys are assholes. Yep, and that like, <laughs> we've got guys that in the middle of a tournament, Jody queen, I always reference him on this. Jody queen put up a huge limit in the tournament. There was a guy next to him struggling. He was like, here, use my rod and reel. throw here. I'll go somewhere else. Like wow. in the middle of a money making tournament, guys don't care. Like it's wow. just a different kind of camaraderie and sportsmanship in the, in this world. But That's man, good. we appreciate it, dude. I'm so glad to have yeah. you on. Um, I'll share. I'll reach out to you again. We're always doing, uh, you know, filler shows and stuff like that. I'd love to hear from you again. Hear more of those uh those awesome stories from your past and wish you nothing but success on the the rest of your year fishing period. You know, I hope you crush it on on tour and then I hope you come crush it a little bit less on our tour. So maybe I'll have a chance. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean I'd uh, be I, happy to donate my money to you seem like a good guy. Thanks man <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs>
4: yeah well guys i i I really appreciate you guys having me on i had a great time and it was nice to meet you guys and like always my my door is always open give me a call if you need something and uh just go from there
2: sounds good man well before we let you go real quick did you have anybody you wanted to shout out any sponsors uh, anybody you want to thank
4: yeah you know old town old town thank you guys so much for giving me the opportunity this year the Koda lithium uh they're the batteries i've been using now for the last four years my bass boat transitioning them guys over to kayak everything's been flawless been perfect um You know, so that's the other thing too. So this kayak thing, I'm trying to separate the majority of my sponsors completely separate. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give them the opportunity if they want to after this year to come aboard, but if they don't want to, I'm going to start, you know, chasing after the companies you guys have within the kayak community.
2: Yeah, that's really cool. That was a question that I actually overlooked that I was going to ask. Cause if you, if there were conflicts with sponsors doing this, like be like being an elite series angler, I didn't know if you would even get to fish into the other kayak stuff. It is a totally different realm, but it's still, you know, competitive fishing for money. So I was wondering if there were any, you know, professional conflicts or anything there or how the sponsors would feel about it.
4: Sponsor wise. No, no problems. The only thing I could possibly run into is if you guys were to have an event, during my off limits for the same body of water we have 28 mm. days off limits that's the only thing that i could possibly run into uh there's a hobby event on santee this year that i wanted to fish that i could fish but it's within our off limits so i can't fish it
2: mm. Oof, that's yeah, another that just another barrier man that yep. <laughs> all right steve aj get on better schedules <laughs> <your bliss>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right man, well, we'll let you go thank you so much man it was great to have you uh, thank you for coming on and you know Shedding the light on your your experiences from both sides of the world, man. I appreciate it.
4: You got it, guys. Anytime.
2: Yeah, All right. Times. Man. We'll see you we'll next talk time. To you. All right. Bye. Awesome show. That's yes, crazy. Sir. I'm almost a little upset that was so easy for him. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was hoping he'd be like, "Wow, this kayak thing is hard," and he was like, "Match, put it on high and rolled." <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. That's awesome. But I mean, like looking at his background, like we were saying, uh, the jamba stuff is. The kayaks that we're in now are pretty much and the glorified the, plastic the, John boats.
2: The holiday crawdad he's talking about. I know what he's talking about. He's not yeah. kidding. That's like fishing in a glorified canoe. Like, yeah, like it's different. But that's uh. So that, I feel like crazy that's an to...
3: easy adapt, adaptation that he can make. Oh yeah. So I mean, that's cool he picked it up that fast.
2: To... I'll blame that to, for the reason that he had so much success so quickly is. It's not really that foreign to him Um, or his style of fishing, you know, him talking about liking to to get up in the creeks, getting the shallows. You know, that's that's what most of us do. Um,
3: That's how we all started. almost. (laughs) All
2: you assholes going out offshore only with live scope, man, get out of the kayak (laughs) or get up shallow. Come, come hammer down with us. But no, that was cool. Uh, I really liked the, I didn't know. I purposely don't listen to other podcasts when we're going to have the same guest, because I want to hear information fresh. So I didn't hear or listen to anything he's talked about. I only allow myself to research these guys so much because I wanted to hear that, that coming up story and him being just such a hard worker. And like, like you said, go out and get it. Like that's, that's the guys you like to see do good. I don't want the guy who's like, daddy was like, no, here I'll buy your first bass boat here. (laughs) I paid your entry fees. I mean, I mean it's still work. You still gotta still catch the guys. Oh yeah. yeah, you still gotta catch the fish, but I'd rather hear you know the, the poor guy do it on his own and caller type of yeah work. come up and do it. Yeah. So that was a that was an awesome, excellent show. I am super pumped that we were able to get that. Huge shout out to Steve Owens. I didn't think he'd be able to make it happen that fast. I text Steve uh Sunday, it was like, I know you're busy. If at all possible, can you get me in touch with Greg? He said, Absolutely. I'm sending him a link to your show right now. Show him that you're professional and that it's not a gimmick. And then I got a phone call yesterday from New Jersey and I ignored it because I wasn't thinking, because I was working. And then I checked my voicemail and he's like, Hey, this is Greg. And I was like, Click. Call him back. <laughs> so, yeah. like you're picking the phone back up. <laughs> but uh, this might be a start of something cool for us. I've been looking to dabble into the boat world for a new show series. Um, yeah. And trying to figure out a way to bridge the gap for our listeners to get just as much fishing tournament knowledge and fishing knowledge tournament knowledge. Possible. You know, hearing the stories of how you can make it, how these guys made it, who they had to persuade to help them do this where they got money for that how they were able to do it and I'm going to try and take this and run with it so uh be on the lookout hopefully I can make something out of this experience we've got to have with Greg and he's a great guy and uh, I'm sure we'll have him on this show again because I'd love to dabble even more into especially as this the kayak season progresses if he's gonna hit four of the five events I'm sure I'm sure we'll see him back up there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just have a feeling because it's not—it's not a new angler. He's got tournament fishing figured out. Yeah. He's just dialing it down into the kayak world. He
3: knows how to win events. So yeah,
2: that's like he said. He learned how to win. So yeah, that's a very bold statement, but when you can back that up, I like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, real quick, I'll cover the. Uh, I want to first talk specifically back to the Bassmaster event. So, um. As everybody heard, Greg De Palma was first place, ninety three and three quarter inches day one, 96 inches day two. So absolutely slaying them, one hundred eighty nine and three quarter. Uh, Ryan Thompson was second with 187 about what I and thought a it was
3: going to take to win in like one hundred and ninety. I mean, after it rained, I thought it was going to go down a little bit, but
2: yeah, I was I thinking ninety three a day. You know, that, yeah. like honestly, um, I thought but, I was closer
3: to ninety five a day. That's what I thought.
2: You're right. Uh, but Russ Snyder's big shout out to our teammate Russ, uh, my annual teammate Russ, uh, yeah. coming in third place with 184 and a half. Made a real big run on day two. But I, I wanted to shout out Kason Wallace, uh, local guy around here. He absolutely smacked <laughs> on him on day one, 96 and a half. Um, we'll get to another shout out from somebody. Uh, Dylan Smith, third place day one, fourth place overall. Yeah. um he actually yeah. won the TVKA and naca event that was uh, the joint event going on during this on the same lake obviously um but shout out to those guys i mean there were this was a tough event there were actually a lot of people that struggled you had
3: guys that zeroed on day 1 and
2: smacked him on day 2 you had guys do the opposite it's very um, much like
3: feast or famine i mean that's kind of how guttersville almost always is but
2: my, my this... here's my tournament recap fast water, muddy water, I caught three fish. Regretted the (laughs) whole day being up there. I caught three I caught a dink and two meh fish, you know. I caught three Um, good
3: ones and if I would have had filled a limit, I would have probably been feeling pretty good because I had a 19 and a half 17 and a quarter and a 17
2: I didn't didn't fish the Bassmaster because of me spending all of that money on my daughter's uh, new karate fun stuff and weapons <laughs> and crap, but I'm not upset about that now because that have been money gone. I don't know. I would have completely changed game plans. I honestly probably would have been down there where he was because compl- I had I was already thinking about fishing Sunday, even though I wasn't in the event, just to yeah. see what was the lake was doing. Like, I'm probably going back this weekend. I know I'm going back in two weeks. I'm taking this butt kicking to try and learn the lake this time of year in these conditions just to put it in the, in the back of my mind for in the future. But yeah, it's crazy. I really really did. I said Tuesday or night or Wednesday night, I said Brown's Creek will have either the winner or somebody in the top five. And yeah, I was right.
3: I I mean, it's going to, it's almost always. And it's, I mean, it's just that time of year that like, if you can locate those pre-spawn fish, and or stay ahead of them and know where they're coming to, like what Greg was talking about. Then you're gonna win it. Like it's yeah. Especially if you got that locked down in somewhere like Browns or Goose Pond or something like that, where the big fish are, like the bigger fish, I guess. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> uh, before I before we get off the little subject, um, if everybody didn't see, um, go check out. uh Joe McElroy's story, Joe Mac had a very dangerous close call and he's like one of everybody. If you know him, he's one of your favorite people. He's one of the nicest, most giving, funny guys on the planet. And uh, I would I want everybody that's in the kayak world, whether you're a tournament fisherman or not. I'd like you to go see what happened and read and listen to his videos on what happened and everything just to know that it's a real, it can get away from you real quick, even in, yeah. you know, a high level top tier kayak. It doesn't matter. Mother nature's a way better bitch than that kayak is. So,
3: uh, yeah, I'll go watch the videos of that big 14 foot three sixty 60 in the undercurrent current like 300 that. times. <laughs> yeah hey uh, uh just to just to pique your interest to go
2: look at any more joe is in 56 degree water i think flood plains bobbing up and down to keep his head above the water even with his pfd on for 45 minutes before the rescue squad could get him Yeah, so go go check that out just to make you a little more aware of how fast things can go wrong but uh enough of the the gloomy stuff we're glad glad joe's still with us we love you buddy uh but I've got a few more tournaments to recap real quick. The uh, we'll start with the King of the Kayak on Little Okmulgee ok- State Park in Georgia. Twenty nine anglers, five fish limit. Uh, first place David Abbott with seventy three inches. So tough fishing out there. Second place Quentin McMichael with sixty eight and three quarter. Is that a Third
3: place.
2: Primarily, and if this last fish I'm going to say was a spotted bass, then Jesus Christ. Uh, third place, Jason Lee was 68 and three quarters. Uh, Brady Shaw is down in seventh, caught a 23. So I'm going to have to go back and look and see if it was a spot. Yeah, go look at it. If it's a spot. It's a I'm going to go fish there. Yeah. Like, I've caught a 20. I think I've got a 21 inch spot, and that's stupid. Like, I'd like that's a 23. Spot. Um, we just covered the twenty the, the kayak Bassmaster kayak series and Lake gunners little quick run day rundown again. Two hundred and thirty-four anglers. Greg De Palma with the win, one eighty-nine three quarter. Ryan Thompson was second, one eighty seven Third place, Russ Snyder's of one eighty four and a half. And there was two twenty-threes caught because me and you were talking about this that we hadn't seen any freaks caught. And there were two twenty-threes caught by Daniel Rodriguez and Jay Mueller, uh both on day two. So the big the big girls were moving up on that one. Yeah. Uh the the NACA North Alabama Kayak Anglers, Tennessee Valley Kayak Angler, open event, joint event, had 110 anglers. That's a record for NACA. Um, I don't know if that, that's probably a record for Steve-O, too. I don't think TVK has done 100. I know the Tennessee Bass Nation has, but... Uh,
3: yeah, uh, close to it, but I don't know that they've passed 100. That's a lot.
2: Yeah, but uh, first for place... Grassroots club, Yeah, yeah. So first place on, uh, this is on Saturday, Dylan Smith, 95 and a quarter. Second place, Lance Perris with 89. Third place, Coy mm-hmm. Jones with 88 and a half. Uh, moving on from there, we got the Queen City Kayak Bass Fishing on Yadkin Yolo. Yadkin Yolo the Yadkin Chain in North Carolina. 120 mm-hmm. anglers, because they do it big up in Queen City with their infamous yeah. four fish limit. First place, Kenley Martin with 82 and a half. Second place, Landon Smith with 77 and a half. Big gap first second there. Third place Austin Van with seventy five. Uh, next up, we have the Natural State Kayak Anglers on Lake Wachita. I almost say that wrong because I make fun of it and say it wrong on purpose. I always say Oachita oh, just to mess with people. Ouchita, oh, and I almost said that right then, but I got it right. Wachita, uh forty two anglers, five fish limit. First place Corey Hopper with eighty three and a half. Second place Chris Robertson with eighty one and three quarters. Third place Eric Couch with seventy nine and a half. Uh, and then you also had the Oh, this could be a typo. Maybe it's not. It says the natural state kayak anglers again on Table Rock. They may be, I think they do it, they do a two day event and it's on two different bodies of water. Two if different if I remember lengths. correctly. Hmm. Like yeah. two different
3: events, essentially. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so the uh so Table Rock West, 52 Anglers, Five Fish Limit. Table Rock is a lake that I really, really want to go check out. Uh 52 Anglers, Five Fish Limit, first place, Michael Thunderbird. 89 and a half. Second place, Kyle Long with 83 and a quarter. Third place, Josh King with 83. And that is it for the tournament coverage for the week. The Bassmaster was epic. Greg De Palma mm-hmm. is an awesome dude. Stoked to have him on here. To, you know, hear how much he
3: likes it. He didn't say kayak fishing sucks. Um <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say it sucks either after I just won $13,000 out of
2: one. Right. Dude, I'm telling you, ROI, baby, return on investment. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. that was something. I'm glad that he he actually. I mean, he's a when you're on that level of pro anything, you have to be thinking about it as a, a businessman. As so, a business. it was great that every time I had one of those questions, he had actually had already had that consideration. Yeah. And it's great that people are calling him like, uh, uh oh, Porosnick. what? <laughs> yeah, Proznik. <laughs> How yeah. much did you win? Thirteen thousand. Right. Bye. Click. <laughs> man I ordered a kayak. Five minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, man, you got anything else to close it out with? Anything you wanted to hit on about the tournament?
3: Uh, other than just how much I sucked at it, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a good a learning opportunity, though, and uh, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Just keep keep my head up and. Dude, I, I felt tough I felt better too. after seeing so many people struggled. Like yeah. I
2: finished, I finished thirty something in the local on Saturday, out of a hundred and ten, and I had three fish. That tells you how shitty. And the three? Was. I mean,
3: you didn't have three like giants either. No, I had three.
2: two decent, two like man and a dink. Like, yeah, I caught the dink on a buzzbait though, so it's all good. Like, yeah, makes it worth it. Buzzbait bite. I, I caught fish today. Uh, I went. Walked around a few little smallmouth places around here and caught them on a uh, chopo today. So I'm
3: That's feeling good right now. That time
2: That's cold water too. But uh, something I want to hit on real quick. Uh, Don't have the full graphic, but uh, just wanted to let everybody know the Del Hollow Open event that we do every year is coming up the weekend, April 22nd and 23rd. Sponsored by Eastport Marina and hosted by Eastport Marina. So we'll be down there. Uh, I know a bunch of the hosts are coming down. We're going to fish the event. Uh, it was a request a lot of folks had last year. It was, why weren't we fishing it? Um, Mostly because that's kind of a break for most of us. But yeah. Um patient. And I suck at Del Hollow. That's why I'm not fishing it. If I can get Garrett to or, keep or Riser that. or Russ or someone to like guide me between now and the next month, just so I have an idea of what to do, I might fish it. I'll be fishing, but maybe not competitively. Uh, but yeah, so make sure you sign up for that. I know that there's a Tennessee Bass Nation event going on, um, but if that's not your thing, uh, if you are a local and you're not fishing one of the Tennessee Bass Nation events, come put your money in the Hat of Dale Hollow. We got food, we got beer, we we get music. We're up in the really nice wedding venue up at the barn. Great parking up there. I mean, I know it's out of the way for a lot of folks, but it's a good time. Uh, hey, we're going to have Richard on uh, probably in the next two weeks. Uh, he wants to come on and talk to the whole tournament side of the world. And, again, uh, there's a lot of incentives for out-of-state anglers. The West Virginia guys usually show up. Georgia guys usually show up. So, yeah. Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, fucking Kentucky, anybody and everybody, just come hang out with us. You it's a Kentucky fun time. Like, there. everybody that signs up leaves with something. Like, the giveaways are stacked. Yeah. Uh, last year, Richard gave a motor to the guy that
3: blanked. <laughs> like yeah. Kenneth. That's one of our guys. <laughs> was it? Yeah, yeah, he still has that motor.
2: I'm sure he does. Yeah. Like, they didn't want to raise their hand. He was like, Who zeroed? And they were just like, And then he was like, Here's a Newport. It's like,
3: yeah, Oh, I hell yeah. glad you raised your hand now. Yeah. Like, Damn, I should raise my hand. I mean, I tech, I zeroed the second day. So it's just like, You did.
2: <laughs> my man hit both highs, or well, the high and the low.
3: Yeah. Day
2: one winner, day two zero. Old goose egg. It's okay. I I zero like every time I'm on that lake. I went to the spot you went to and zeroed. I went where you told me to and zeroed. Like that's how much I suck on Del Hollow. I can catch fish anywhere else in this freaking country. I cannot do it there for some reason. (laughs) I'm gonna figure it out.
3: Yeah. You got time to learn.
2: Yep. Maybe I should be spending all my time there instead of on Gunnersville right now. That's just a haul. Well, all right, man. I guess that's uh that's it for the show this week. Uh, everybody, tell us what you thought about this one. Um, show uh, show Greg some love. Go follow him up. Let's stack up his support from our side of the world and yes, give him good wishes. And or you know, if you were kind of pissed that he took your money, you can tell him. <laughs> you know, we like that too.
3: Can't be mad at him. Nah.
2: Well, that's it for another great show, folks. We appreciate it as always. We will see you next week. I think we'll have Hobie winners on. Is there a Hobie this weekend?
3: Caddo. Caddo.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll have winners on that one. That's a bundle of Yeah,
3: that one's. I'm already seeing some awesome pre-fishing content coming out from that. And it's so jealous. There's some good, there's some good being caught right now.
2: Oh, I bet. Well, we'll have those winners on for you next week, guys. Um, So be looking out for it. Thanks again. And we will see you next time peace
0: succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh. <laughs> Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.